Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes. Today on the show, we're all about genetic counselors and Genetic Counselor Awareness Day, which this year is on November the 10th. On the show to talk all things genetic counseling are Rachel Donnell, who is a genetic counselor at Seattle Reproductive Medicine and is the immediate past chair of the GCPG at ASRM and Jenna Miller, a genetic counselor at Cooper Surgical, who is the current chair of the GCPG. Both of you, welcome to ASRM today. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jeff. Rachel, I want to start with you. Could you tell us a little bit about the mission of the GCPG? Yeah, absolutely. Our our small GCPG was actually formed in 2019. We have around 130 members. We are here to establish an organized presence of genetic counselors and other health professionals that are interested in genetics and provide genetic counseling resources to ASRM, generate presentation track information on genetic counseling topics at ASRM, and encourage membership and participation of genetic counselors within ASRM. And and I know I was just throwing that acronym around earlier, probably for people who are listening to like, I'm so confused. What what is it? So what does GCPG stand for? Yeah, the GCPG is the Genetic Counseling Professional Group. And it is it is part of all, all of our professional group sort of uh, cooperatives that we have here at ASRM. Jenna, I want to turn to you. Could you tell us a little bit about genetic counselors in the fertility field? Sure. Uh, we actually have a lot of data about genetic counselors in general, because every year the National Society of Genetic Counselors surveys all GCs in uh, North America and gets all these data on them. So uh, buckle up for some data here. There are around 6,000 certified genetic counselors in the United States. But interestingly, only about 2% of uh, genetic counselors responded that their primary area of practice was ART or IVF or infertility. So in our little corner of genetics in ART, we're a very small proportion of all the genetic counselors out there. And interestingly, although genetic counselors are relatively rare, again, there are only 6,000 practicing in the U.S., the profession has grown over 100% in the last 10 years, and it's expected to grow another 100% in the next 10 years. It's a very rapidly growing profession, which makes sense because genetics and genetic testing have just blown up in the past couple of decades and are becoming just an indispensable part of multiple areas of healthcare. Again, back to us in ART, we crunched the numbers, like Rachel and I crunched the numbers not too long ago, and it looks like there are maybe only about 25, maybe 30 genetic counselors who are actively practicing in fertility clinics in-house in the United States. Most genetic counselors who practice in the fertility field such as myself, work in laboratory settings like PGT labs, carrier screening, that sort of thing. Let me ask you this, and how can an in-house genetic counselor then help the fertility clinic? Well, there are many ways, and I'm sure Rachel can speak more to this as one of those few in-house genetic counselors, but I'll say that in my role and on a laboratory setting, I travel all over the country speaking to providers, and I can say that I frequently hear providers expressing discomfort with the amount of genetic material that they have to cover with patients. And having a genetic counselor in-house takes a lot of that burden off of clinicians' plates. So Rachel can speak more to what she does on a day-to-day basis, 
But from my perspective, I, I hear people expressing the need for more support in-house with genetic counseling services, for sure. Yeah. Thanks, Jenna. I, I think it's a common misconception that genetic counselors only see patients throughout the day. We do a lot more than just see patients. I certainly, that is a, a big part of what we do and a very important part of what we do. But we want to come on here and explain a little bit about what we do other than just seeing patients. Uh, so since I work in a fertility clinic, I can speak to a little bit about what I do uh, at my clinic. Uh, when it comes to the operations of the fertility clinic, I help with developing standard operating procedures and workflows for genetic testing. Genetic counselors can also serve as the main point of contact between your genetic testing labs and the clinic and evaluate those lab partnerships as changes in technology or new research comes to light to make sure your clinic is offering the most up-to-date testing. Also on the patient care side of things, again, aside from simply seeing patients, we also serve as a clinical resource for our physicians and our nurses, coordinate and call out genetic testing results on behalf of the providers. We submit prior authorizations and letters of medical necessity for genetic testing. We create content for patient-facing materials like handouts and provide continuing education lectures for our clinical staff. Also, if clinics have an internal egg or embryo donation program, we are significantly involved in investigating and reporting out adverse outcomes. So ultimately, the way I like to see it is that genetic counselors can help take some of the burden off of other clinical providers like nurses and physicians to free up their time to do what they do best. That leads me to this question then. What has led the genetic counseling professional group then to develop the business case, right, for hiring genetic counselors to push this necessity? Yeah, yeah. So one of the big projects we've been working on this year and we'll continue to work on next year is creating the business case, like you were saying, for hiring genetic counselors. Like Jenna was mentioning earlier, most genetic counselors that work in the fertility field are employed by laboratories and not fertility clinics. And we have come to recognize that there is a significant gap in knowledge regarding the value of in-house genetic counselors, which is why most clinics don't hire internally. Jenna and I and, and other genetic counselors that work in this field have heard very large clinics say things like they don't have enough work for a full-time genetic counselor. So we felt like we need to educate fertility providers and practice administrators regarding all of the activities that we could perform. So ultimately, the goal of this business case project is to provide a platform for clinical fertility genetic counselors to share their experiences on billing practices and educate reproductive endocrinologists and practice managers on specific models to justify hiring. We plan or our aim is to present our findings in a manuscript likely submitted to FNS as well as a symposium session at ASRM next year. We're almost out of time, and I'll get in one more question then. Then what can we expect to see coming from the GCPG this year? You, you mentioned that there's some FNS in probably a presentation next year, but what else is coming up? We've also got a webinar coming up. It's called Why Genetic Counseling Isn't Always a One-Stop Shop. So it's, again, investigating scope of practice of genetic counselors within the ART space. And our team is also working on a couple of committee opinions regarding PGTM and clinical management of mosaic results from PGTA. We already put out the mosaic committee opinion a couple of years ago, but it's due for an update. So that's on the table as well. 
Well, that's fantastic. And of course, uh, anything we can link to, we will put a link up there in our show notes so that people can just scroll up real quick and link on it, especially the webinar. Those are always fantastic. And we appreciate everyone doing those. We've been talking about genetic counselors in Genetic Counselor Awareness Day and all things genetic counseling at ASRM. Uh, my guests today have been Rachel Donnell and Jenna Miller. Thank you both so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us today. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google, or whatever podcatcher you get through Apple or iOS, or sometimes I get lost in all the technical terminology. Anyway, you can find it. Anyway, subscribe, rate, and review the show. That always helps us out. And until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.